It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening, especially the kids who have the entire intro memorized. I appreciate everybody listening. Thanks so much for the support. And uh, the show is made possible by patrons such as Nick and Les, Monica, Catherine, Mary, Eric, Peggy, Tavis, Kristen, Beth, and Al, as well as Eugene. Thank you very much. They became uh, patrons of the program. And you can as well simply by going to thepetecalendershow.com. And there's a link at the top of the page there. You click the link. It takes you to the Patreon page. And then uh, you sign up for whatever level you are comfortable at. And then you get access to the exclusive content like we did yesterday, the live stream. A lot of fun. And uh, they they are billed as one-hour live streams. But... They never are. They're always longer. (laughs) I don't think I've ever done just a one-hour live stream. Anyway, uh, go to thepetecalendershow.com. You can also subscribe there as well. So uh, the uh, North Carolina governor is going to allow uh, uh, subjects to assemble in larger groups and gather outdoors starting today at 5 o'clock, and we don't have to wear our masks to do it. Now, this is the kind of freedom that I'm talking about, right? The the kind of freedom that the governor bestows on us. That's the best kind of freedom, don't you think? Man. Um, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Mandy Cohen, uh, said that the push now is to get two-thirds of adults vaccinated with at least one of the two-dose regimens. Our fast and fair approach to getting vaccines to people is also showing results. As of today, 49% of all North Carolinians 18 and older are vaccinated with at least one dose, and more than 39% are fully vaccinated. Okay, so remember, this is like the difference between fully vaccinated and, you know, vaccinated with just one dose. And if we get to the two-thirds level, then uh, the Cooper administration is going to permit us to have summer. If we work together getting vaccinated and keeping our COVID metrics in a good place, we can lift mandatory social distancing, capacity and math gathering restrictions on June the 1st. That's our first goal. And it's a big step to bringing summer back to North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Bringing summer back, baby. Seriously, if they need me to be part of the marketing effort for this, I mean, I I work cheap. Which actually makes me a great employee, but a terrible, terrible boss. Um, She... Oh, yeah. So two thirds is where we need to be. What won't change on June the 1st is the requirement for people to wear masks indoors in public settings. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, for real. All right. Hang on. Sorry. Let's 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 hear her out. If you're fully vaccinated, you can already do more things. Okay. Yesterday, the CDC said if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors and not in a big crowd, you'll no longer need to wear a mask. And that's great news Mm. for the almost 40 percent of North Carolina adults who are already fully vaccinated. 
everyone still needs to wear a mask when they are in an indoor public setting. That's where our second goal comes in. Once at least two-thirds of North Carolina adults have had at least one shot and our trends are stable, we will lift indoor mask mandates and lighten other public health recommendations. When will that happen, though, is up to North Carolinians and how quickly people get vaccinated. Okay, so what, what, if, we, what if we don't hit that number? Like, what if we don't hit that number like ever, right? I mean... We have enough supply now. We also launched our Bringing Summer Back Get Out the Vaccine campaign. I'm asking for community organizations, private businesses, and individuals to sign up for the campaign and help us to promote it in every, to promote vaccinations in every community across the state. The campaign will run during two weeks in May and two weeks in June, during which organizations across the state will work together to promote vaccinations. Go to yourspotyourshot.nc.gov to learn how you can help bring summer back. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, full disclosure, I only have one shot. It's the Pfizer, though. But I only have one shot. I don't wear a mask outside. All right, full disclosure, I haven't worn a mask outside for like the whole year. Unless I've just like forgotten to take it off or it's been chilly outside and I come outside after wearing the mask and I don't take it off because, hey, you know what? It's kind of chilly outside and it's, you know, keeping my face warm. So like I don't take or I don't put the masks on when I'm outside. I I don't gather. There haven't been large gatherings outdoors anyway, so I haven't been doing that. But yeah, no, I I'm not going to wear masks outside. You know why? Because from the very beginning. Ever since I saw the video uh, of the the Japanese researchers who, you know, did the cough tests and the lung juice and all of that, and you can see the micro droplets that are suspended in air. Ever since I saw that video, I've known that that's the real problem. And um, so, like, I understood, like, they were like, oh, we're going to be socially distant and all of that. Yeah, that's not going to matter if there's poor ventilation. So... So good ventilation has been sort of what we have, what Christy and I have always relied on. Like we had friends over before they moved out of town last year, and uh, none of us had been vaccinated. None of us had had COVID, and uh, we had them over to the house for dinner, and um, I just opened up the windows, or we had them at the apartment, and so we opened up the windows, turned on the fans, and as long as you keep the air moving out... Right. You're at way lower risk unless someone's like obviously hacking and coughing on you and they're symptomatic, you know, that kind of thing. Here's the key. It's the longer it's the duration of time that you are indoors around some people who are sick and there's no ventilation involved. So when you're outside, no, I like I'm I'm not going to wear a mask. It's not happening outside. If you don't like it, walk away from me. Leave me be. Go someplace else. We're outside. God knows there's plenty of room. It's literally outside, right? You got you got miles and miles to roam away from me if you are terrified that I am going to get you sick with my one shot of vaccine. So by the way, I have already contributed to this number. Now they are seeing a slowdown. This is a problem. Uh, they're seeing a slowdown in the people who are interested in getting the vaccine. And look, part of it for me, like I'm very late in getting the vaccine, I guess. Like I got it after it opened up for everybody. And 
uh, it became pretty clear that the early adopters, the people who rushed in to get the vaccines, were the most petrified people in the society. Right. So, yeah. So leftists. Exactly. Look, folks, it's science. Okay, I'm not just making that up. That is science. Seriously, I have the yeah, I've got the research here. Um, Let's see. Do 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 do. Because I would not I would not lie to you. Here it is. I also have this end the hygiene theater, says the CDC of all organizations. Science. White liberals are significantly more likely than other racial and ideological groups to be diagnosed with a mental health condition. The findings from a Pew Research Center survey that was actually published last year um, uh, talk about the possible scientific correlation between progressive ideas and mental illness. According to the survey, this is by Andrew Stiles, by the way, at the Washington Free Beacon. According to the survey, white liberals of all ages are more likely to have been diagnosed with a mental health condition compared with their moderate and conservative peers. The disparity was especially pronounced among young people aged 18 to 29, the most annoying demographic and the one with the worst opinions, generally speaking. Nearly half of young white liberals, 46%, reported being diagnosed with a mental health condition. 46% of this cohort. That was significantly higher than the percentage of young white moderates, only 26%, and young white conservatives at 21% who reported a mental health diagnosis. Young white people who identified as very liberal were considerably more likely to report mental health problems even when you compare with uh, their even when you compare them with their peers who are just liberal. So like when you look at the very liberal versus just the liberal, even then they are overrepresented. I'll have more details on this in a second. First, here are some details that you need to take down. Okay. Mattress man, four stores. You don't have to write this down. You can remember that, right? Four stores. Four stores in uh, Asheville and Hendersonville and in Arden. They've got the new location that they've opened up uh, on Airport Road. It's in the IHOP Shopping Center. Go check it out. You can also go to the website, mattressmanstores.com. And uh, just for another day or so, they're running the uh, free upgrade deal. Get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for the price of a twin. Go to the website. Check out the latest deals. They're always putting new stuff up there. And by the way, um, they've got the inventory. You do not have to wait to sleep on a new bed if you buy it from Mattress Man, which apparently this is... Like, uh, this is apparently a thing in the bedding industry, these uh, companies that, like, sell you the bed, and they're like, yeah, okay, you'll have it in, like, you know, four months. No, that's not how Mattress Man rolls. They've got all the inventory, so get the bed and sleep on it, right? That's the whole point. Get a good night's sleep, right? They're not going to sell you a bed they don't have. Go to mattressmanstores.com or any of their four locations. Ask about the free upgrade. Uh, They're an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection, inspired by our local landmark, the Biltmore made by Restonic, free local five-star delivery service, a 120-day comfort guarantee, and they ship nationwide. Remember, take advantage of their flexible financing options and experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. Now, look, I'm not bringing up this science about uh, mental health issues among the very liberal among us. Uh, I, I mean, I'm simply bringing it up because I think it actually has an impact in this discussion about masks, but it also has an impact about the coronavirus and the COVID response, right? Think about this. If you've got a political 
group, right? That I, you know, they, this is the thing that unifies them. And I don't know if like being very liberal creates the mental health issues or if the mental health issues create the being very liberal. And I'm not doing this in order to, you know, castigate or demean or stigmatize or anything. But I think this is important because it informs policy debate. And if the loudest voices in the Democratic Party have this, these issues going on, and that's now leading the Democratic Party to cater to those folks with those issues, that's troubling. And it should be troubling for everybody. Um, Across all demographics, young white females who identify as liberal or very liberal were by far the most likely to report a mental health diagnosis. In fact, a majority of young white liberal women, 56%, say that they had been diagnosed with a mental health condition compared with 28% of young moderate women and 27% of young conservative women. So why is there a difference there? Now, maybe, you know, uh, very liberal women are more likely to go to seek help. That might be the case, right? And that there are actually a whole bunch of undiagnosed people in the moderate camp or conservative camp. That might very well be true. I'd like to see some further study on it. The ideological disparity was also present, but less pronounced among young white men. Okay, so it it, it does, you do see that same sort of political breakout, but it's just not as pronounced. Zach Goldberg is a doctoral candidate. He dissected this data from the Pew Research Center, by the way. Um, And he suggested the disparity could be the result of, you know, people seeking more people on the left seeking mental health evaluations. He says it could also indicate a genuine difference in personalities, though, given that white liberals are more likely to exhibit neuroticism. The article uh, that then uh, this guy, uh, Zach Goldberg's uh, Twitter uh, thread that he did on this prompted an article at EV Magazine, which also made some compelling points in response to the thread, noting that liberal ideology often forces its followers to wallow in feelings of helplessness and victimhood, as opposed to, quote, building resiliency against hardship, which can be a crucial tool for combating anxiety and depression. White liberals in particular, who are often at the forefront of social justice movements that don't necessarily affect them directly, may be susceptible to, quote, white guilt and savior narratives, which are, quote, pretty much as bad as any genuinely racist agenda because it robs the very group they're trying to help of their own voice. This <laughs> this is precisely what I've been saying for years. There is this attitude. It is obvious. If you watch people in the way they interact, these far left folks, you watch them interact. And there is this savior complex that they've got going on. The uh, EV Magazine article by Elizabeth Condra, headline, over 50% of liberal white women under 30 have a mental health issue. Are we worried yet? Now, women are 40% more likely to develop depression than men. Did you know that? Due to lower levels of serotonin. And uh, they're also more likely to have anxiety and depression because of that deficiency. And uh, the author, Elizabeth Condra, goes on to write, Our mental health problems are written off as being too overly emotional. But biology and hormones aside, what about the choices that we actively engage in, the behaviors that we indulge, the beliefs and convictions we hold as more important than all the others? 
The people that we spend our time with, the actions we devote our energy to, and the news we consume. Is that negatively impacting our, our mental health? Or even more importantly, leading to medical diagnoses? Dr. Lyle Rossiter is then quoted. He is a uh, board-certified psychiatrist who treated mental disorders for more than 30 years and uh, says that, quote, white liberalism thrives on supposedly championing workers, minorities, the little guy, women, the unemployed, who they continuously see as wronged, cheated, oppressed, disenfranchised, exploited, and victimized with little to no agency of their own. A view then that often mutates into the infantilizing and the patronizing of certain groups within a narrative. This is why you get people like Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, um, I think Marcus Brandon I've talked to, Joel Ford, State Senator, Marcus Brandon, a former state representative, um, all, all black men. Uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, uh, Robinson is a Republican, but the other two are Democrats. But this is how you get, and John McWhorter as well, and Glenn Lowry, right? These intellectuals, Thomas Sowell, and they're like, stop treating us like we're children. Like, as if you can't criticize us or else that's racist. Like, we're not babies. We, you know, th this idea that we have to be protected from the kind of critique that everybody else gets. It's patronizing. It's offensive. It's belittling. It's demeaning. The people responsible for these crimes, Rossiter says, poverty, disease, war, ignorance, unemployment, racial prejudice, ethnic and gender discrimination, modern technology, capitalism, globalization, and imperialism. In the radical liberal mind... This suffering is inflicted on the innocent by various predators and persecutors. Stop me if any of this sounds familiar. Big business. Big corporations. Greedy capitalists. U.S. imperialists. The oppressors. The rich. The wealthy. The powerful. The selfish. Republicans. Now it's even morphed into, you know, white people in general. And that's pretty much an exhaustive list of every grievance and every perpetrator that progressives see as responsible for these injustices, right? It's truly unfortunate, the author of this piece at EV Magazine says, truly unfortunate that so many women are facing these kinds of issues and that this prevalence of mental illness among progressive women might be weaponized for political purposes. And that's, again, not what I am attempting to do here. Um, if there's one thing the topic deserves, it's delicacy and empathy. But at the heart of the matter is this. Progressivism is an ideology that supposedly demands equality for all and one that keeps score to an exhausting degree. In all honesty, it's understandable that anxiety and depression thrive in these kinds of environments when we're focusing on every minute or minute problematic issue in our world and not able to take a comprehensive, productive action to solve all the problems. What do you, do you remember one of the, um, well, I guess I should, I should start by saying, do you know who Jordan Peterson is, right? The psychiatrist, clinical psychiatrist, he wrote the book called um, 12 Rules for Life. And he's, you know, YouTube sensation and has all of these um, uh, speaking tours. And he does all these videos and stuff. Anyway, point is, one of the chapters in his book, and I have not read it, but I've read uh, reviews of it and such um, and heard him talk about it. One of the chapters in his book is before you change the world, pick up your room. And I think that's at the heart of a lot of this. And it's this, this, he and his audience is predominantly male, by the way. And uh, 
a lot of times kind of they tend to be more on the conservative side unless maybe he's turning them into conservatives by making them take responsibility uh, in various aspects of their lives like things that they can control and that's the whole point it's a it, it's a parable basically it's like you want me to believe that you've got the answers to solve all of these really large, complex, complicated problems, but you can't even get your own room in order. You can't even keep that tidy, right? How how are you supposed to be the person with all the answers for all of this other stuff, this mess out here, when you can't control the mess in there? And the room is a metaphor. It's not just necessarily, you know, a person's room, but you start with this, this one thing that you control, whether it's your body or, you know, your attitude, your room, your house, whatever. You have this one area of your life that you have complete control over virtually. And what do you do with it? What are you doing with it? And maybe you should make sure that works before you start trying to make sure everything out here works, right? Because if you don't get everything out there to work, and the stuff in here isn't working, you're probably going to be really, really frustrated and agitated and neurotic, right? Just just some food for thought. Here's some food for thought too. Buying or selling a house, um, maybe you haven't even considered that, but maybe you are aware, maybe somebody in your neighborhood sold a house recently and you're like, they got how much money for that house? My house is way nicer than that. And now you start getting curious, well, what could I get for this house? And it opens up this whole world this whole different line of thinking, like maybe I can sell this, make a whole bunch of money and downsize and, uh, you know, go on trips and stuff, live a different kind of life. Well, if any of this is on your uh, radar, then please call Rowena Patton. Her phone number is 828-333-4483. That's 333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com. Buying or selling the only agent to call. She and her all-star powerhouse team put them to work for you. She will get your house sold fast and for more money. If you're looking to buy a house, she has homes in all price points. 828-333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. Give her a call. Tell her you heard it here on the Pete Callender Show. I appreciate that. And then, of course, start packing because that's how fast it happens. All right. So North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper uh, says that if we get two thirds of the citizens, the adult population in North Carolina uh, vaccinated with at least one of the two doses, so partially or fully vaccinated, um, then he will lift the mask mandate. OK. And he indicated at a recent press conference, this was earlier in the week, uh, he indicated the only leverage he intends to use to bribes, I mean, to convince citizens, um, the only leverage is the mask mandate. It's not going to be any of the other restrictions. We anticipate lifting mandatory capacity, mass gathering, and social distancing restrictions by June 1st. As Dr. Cohen said, we hope to go even further when we get at least two-thirds of adults vaccinated with at least one dose. Once we get there, and if our trends are stable, we plan to lift the mask mandate completely. Let's work hard in May and get as many people vaccinated as we can before summer gets here. So now for this executive order. Today, I'm announcing that North Carolina will cautiously ease some restrictions starting Friday, April the 30th. Masks will no longer be required outdoors. And mass gathering limits will increase to 100 people indoors and 200 outdoors. Masks will continue to be required indoors in public places, since this virus still can spread easily when we're inside. 
Even though we're continuing our dimmer switch approach of easing <laughs> restrictions, we need to stay vigilant. In addition to indoor masks, many of our strong safety requirements strong. remain in place for public places in May, including social distancing and capacity limits, which continue to be important. Okay, so you got to think in terms of months, because that's what the governor is doing now, right? May, we're going to have a certain set of rules, and then come June, there's going to be some other set of rules, but he doesn't want to get into all of those. He only wants to just kind of dangle it out there right now that um, he's hoping to lift the mask mandate, because right now, for May, he's lifting a lot of the restrictions on outdoor capacity limits, okay, Uh, and, and some indoor capacity limits. Not all of them, not all of them. Um, so the restrictions that would be lifted on June 1 would be all of the co- mandatory capacity, social distancing, mass gathering, all of that stuff. But that's June 1. For what we're looking at for May, mass gatherings, the cap is raised to 100 people inside and 200 outside. Why 100 and 200? I don't know. No idea. That's just... Uh, it's a number. It's easy to count to 100, I guess. Maybe that's the point. I'm not really sure. Um for now, that's what we're looking at now is mass gatherings capped at 100 inside, 200 outside, which means, of course, now I can start doing the um, the events. Anyway, um, so yes, stay tuned on the Patreon page, and I'll give details on that uh, coming up uh, in the future episodes. During the reporter Q&A, Cooper and Cohen, or CNC uh, Virus Factory, uh, anyway, they well, they're not a virus factory. That's not fair. It's unfair. Propaganda factory. How about, is that, is that more accurate? PR factory? Anyway, CNC, uh, they were asked, you know, how do you overcome this vaccine hesitancy? Cooper believes you, because remember, we have all of this supply now. And look, when I went and got my vaccine a week ago, I went in there or over a week ago, it's been like 10 days. I went in there and there was like nobody there. This was one of the mass, uh, the mass vaccination sites and there wasn't like anybody there. Um, and so he's asked, how are you getting how are you going to get over this hesitancy? Cooper says, though, that using the mask mandate as a bribe, sorry, an incentive in June to prompt people to get vaccinated. He says this is a powerful incentive. Cohen said they're making changes in the approach to providing vaccinations because the demand has pretty much cratered. We know we need to make this easy for folks. So one of the things we're focusing on is to make sure that we have access to vaccine in all places across North Carolina. So we're making sure we're having even more places where folks can go, can go walk in and just get their vaccine. Hopefully maybe they're at, at Walmart or at Harris Teeter or Publix. Um, they're, they're shopping already and they can get their vaccine that same day. Um, so we're trying to make things easy. But then we also want to make sure that folks are hearing from their friends, their family, from their trusted community members. Mm. That's why we launched the Bringing Summer Back campaign. Oh, yeah. Bringing Summer Back. We really encourage businesses and organizations to join us in this campaign. We're going to have two weeks in May and two weeks in June where we really focus on really talking to others about the importance of vaccinations. All right. So she says, though, that they're going to get vaccines to doctor's offices. Right. So you can go and get the shot while you're visiting your regular provider Um, and uh, also like into, you know, grocery stores and pharmacies. And, And that makes sense, by the way. This is I think this is entirely correct. Like. At the beginning, 
they started off with the mass vaccination sites. And if you think about it, right, it makes sense. There was so much demand for, uh, you know, from the uh, from the public initially. And people were like, how do I get a vaccine? Remember, there were all the stories about line jumpers and, ooh, who are these evil people killing folks by getting a vaccine first, right? And, and so there were all these stories and all this focus on that. But uh, but now we've moved past that. And there it's entirely appropriate to change the strategy, right? Shift now to a more targeted approach. Uh, ben Sessoms with the News and Observer then asked, well, what if this doesn't work? If metrics stay the same and vaccination rates stall, would you consider um, extending um, restrictions that will be in place in May past June 1st? So we, we plan on lifting capacity limits and mass gathering limits on June the 1st. We believe that we will make enough progress uh, during the month of May, and we want everybody to work hard in order to be able to do that. Obviously, we're going to continue to look at our trends, and we know that in other states, in here at home and across the world, that variants have jumped on certain places and have driven a lot of people to the hospital, gotten a lot of people sick. So, you know, we're always going to keep an eye on that and make decisions following the science yes, and the data. The data but our yeah. plan yeah. is on June 1st to lift those particular dis- uh, uh, restrictions. And in addition, hopefully when we get to two-thirds of people vaccinated, we can lift the indoor mask mandate. Today we're lifting the outdoor mask mandate. There's still some recommendations for people who are unvaccinated uh, to if they're around other people in a big crowd that it's recommended that they wear a mask, but there is no mandate in the executive order outdoors. Got that? No mandate outside. So if you're walking around outside now and you're not wearing a mask, it's nobody uh, nobody's business. You're not breaking any law. You're not trying to kill anybody. Do not be shamed, right, by people who are like, you should really be wearing a mask. It's like, no, we're outside. There's no mask mandate. And also, like for me, I'm vaccinated. So pound sand which, by the way, I've got those T-shirts, and they say vaccinated, uh, not that it's any of your business. And so you can display to others that they have nothing to fear from you. You're vaccinated, but also convey the sense that it really isn't any of your freaking business. It's a T-shirt. You can find it at the, the shop at thepetecalendarshow.com. <laughs> I did. I drew them up. I, I'm uh, waiting uh, to order mine here. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, this is now so June 1st. The plan is to lift all of the gathering and distancing restrictions. Cooper said he expects that we're going to make enough progress in May to be able to do that. Okay, so this is predictive, okay? But the variants, we don't know what's happening with the variants. Right, that could prompt him to not lift the restrictions come June 1st. Which, by the way, none of this is really responsive to the specific question that was asked of him, which is, or was, if metrics stay the same and vaccinations stall, do you keep the restrictions? So the answer is, just kind of sifting through what he's saying, the answer is no. The answer to the question is no. If the metrics stay the same and the vaccinations stall, do you keep the restrictions in place? And he says, no, we would not keep the restrictions in place. So basically, come June 1st, these things are getting uh, removed unless there's some you know, turnaround that spikes upwards. This is what he's expecting to do. No, except, of course, 
the indoor mask mandate. He's using that as an incentive to get us all to get vaccinated. Um, Now, I don't need to provide you with incentives to go to Old Grouch's military surplus. Uh, Well, I mean, other than the fact that it's real U.S. military surplus, other than the fact that it's like high quality, durable stuff, I guess other than the fact that, you know, it's locally owned and operated, has been for 30 years. And I guess other than the fact that, you know, you got great prices on hard to find stuff. I mean, aside from those incentives, I don't need to provide you any others to go to Old Grouch's uh, military surplus. He is in downtown Clyde on Main Street. The shop is open Monday through Saturday uh, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. Tell him you heard about his shop here on the Pete Callender Show. Tell him you appreciate him advertising uh, here. Support the businesses that support the program that you love or this one. Old Grouch's military surplus, oldgrouch.com. Now, one of the big problems that they're going to have trying to get everybody to this two-thirds level is the fact that uh, the the demand has really tapered off, hence the need for the Bring Summer Back campaign, right? Like... Okay, yeah. Like, that's the reason for the campaign in the first place is because there are a lot of people that are uninterested in getting uh, the vaccine for whatever reason. Now, maybe there are a lot of other people that, um, you know, been putting it off. I would submit, especially at the beginning of the, the rollout, there were so many different categories and places and scheduling. It was pretty difficult, uh, not user-friendly, right, to navigate. I found it to be... Uh, kind of onerous and burdensome. I think it's a lot easier now. I saw locally they're uh, they're you know running a, a Johnson and Johnson walk-in shot clinic, and that's a great idea uh, for folks who you know are not worried about the literally one in a million chance that you might develop a blood clotting issue uh, from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which by the way is lower than the chance of getting a blood clotting issue from say birth control pills which is like one in a thousand so again risk assessment and people here and by the way this is why like the cdc and their and the and uh, them putting a pause on the johnson and johnson created a lot of fear uh, among people that otherwise might have gone and got a vaccine not even just the johnson and johnson vaccine Right. That has an impact. And now you've got, you know, this big push to get everybody vaccinated. So we've got, you know, some level of herd immunity that we're getting close to that level. And um, and then you get, you know, these, quote, health experts that come out and say, well, we got to make sure that we uh, stop the Johnson and Johnson, which then creates fear. This is why I said the other day, you know, before the governor's state of the state speech, I said the state of the state is terrified because you got half of the population terrified uh, based on a misperception of the risk of catching COVID and dying. And then you got the other half terrified about the vaccines and about being told they're going to have to get one. So we're all afraid. Isn't that fantastic? Now, the AP, the Associated Press reporter, Brian Anderson, uh, said, uh, posed a question to the governor saying, look, you got fewer than 85,000 people that got first doses in the previous week, right? So the 85,000 people got their first dose of a two-dose regimen. That is the lowest weekly count since December when the vaccines first came out and the supply was really, really limited. So it doesn't seem like we're going to hit the two thirds goal in order to lift the mask mandate 
uh, doesn't seem like we are going to be able to hit that number, does it? We have noticed that there's been a slowing of folks coming in for the vaccine. I think it's why you're seeing us do things like launching a campaign to bring summer back um, and make sure that we're getting a whole state of North Carolina effort to remind folks about the importance of vaccinations. Um, we want folks to know that they are safe and effective. Um, and what, what I would say is we're also changing the way in which we want to approach folks. No longer are we thinking about large um, mass vaccination sites, but rather making sure that it's easy for folks to access very close to their home. We now know that most folks, not only here in North Carolina, but around the country, can access vaccine within five miles of their home. And that's really good news. All right. So a couple of things. Number one, this is going to be a harder lift, right, to try because now you're doing individualized, not mass vaccinations. You're doing, you know, individually, you know, targeted vaccination efforts. The uh, the yield is much lower versus like one big arena and everybody shows up. You get, you know, thousands all at once. Um, but there was also another part here that she mentioned. Did you catch this at the very end where she said this part? We now know that m- most folks, not only here in North Carolina, but around the country, can access vaccine within five miles of their home. And that's really good news. Interesting. Within five miles of their home. I think I mentioned this yesterday when I was covering Joe Biden's State of the Union, don't call it State of the Union speech. Today, 90 percent of Americans now live within five miles of a vaccination site. Huh. So, look, I've been covering politics for too long, okay, to assume that this data point was simply coincidental. I suspect this is the marketing message coming from the top down. And, in fact, it's not the only example. I've got others. I'll tell you about them in a second. First, general equipment rental. I love talking about general equipment rental because power tools. Uh, But also, uh, it's so helpful when you've got somebody who knows how to use the equipment that can teach you how to use it before you take it home to use it, especially if you're talking about like some large piece of machinery. Um, And they do have large machinery uh, for big projects, but also small tools for smaller projects for, uh, you know, the contractors out there, but also residential homeowners and such. Uh, You need sometimes, you know, a big heavy duty tool to get the job done right and get it done quickly. And General Equipment Rental is your source uh, for those tools. So head on over to General Equipment Rental, go to the website, you can check out the inventory, all of the deals that they've got there as well. Head on over to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated, have been for three generations. Um, If you are uh, uh, looking for commercial fleet discounts, they're your place to go as well. They're also your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. They do equipment service and repair as well. Uh, So really, you need to make these uh, folks a part of your life. Um, Because if you've got power tools, you've got yard equipment, you're going to need them serviced, and you're going to need to replace them at some point. So general equipment rental, uh, please, again, patronize the businesses that uh, support the show. Appreciate that. General equipment rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. All right. So a couple of examples here now have uh, been pretty obvious to me in watching the the CDC guidance, as well as the, you know, the, the proclamations from the White House and then the edicts from Governor Cooper it seems like they're all on the same page. You cannot tell me that there are not some lists of talking points that have gone out here, okay? Because, like, for example, April 21st, Biden 
says, hey, July 4th could be canceled if we don't get people vaccinated. That's the same day uh, Cooper and Cohen uh, announced their bring back summer marketing effort. Right. That was the the same day. Um, Cooper and Cohen also said that the mask mandate would not be lifted for kids outside because they cannot be vaccinated. And so that means masks for summer camps and summer school. A couple days later, the CDC announced its own summer camp guidance calls for masks outdoors for kids over two years old and also uh, for vaccinated adults. Only exceptions are eating, drinking and swimming. Also, Cooper and Cohen say uh, they they've, uh, they changed the mask mandate for the month of May, lifting it for outdoors. Same time, Biden announces the same guidance from the CDC. So unless Cooper is directing Biden and the CDC, which I don't think that's happening, it's pretty clear Cooper and Cohen are getting directions from the White House on what restrictions to lift, maybe uh, telling them when also, so they can kind of get people ready. They can do some, you know, pre-announcements and such. They can say, well, you know, we're leaning towards this, even though they know because the CDC says, hey, this is what we're going to tell everybody in a couple of days. So you may want to get in front of it. Um, There's a story also... Uh, speaking of the CDC, uh, there's uh, this story from Yahoo. It's time to unplug the sanitizing robots and put away the bottles of Clorox that seem to lie in the entrances to every school, restaurant, and supermarket wanting to advertise its safety protocols. While such protocols may be reassuring to an anxious populace, they are not necessary, according to revised guidance from the CDC. It's possible for people to be infected through contact with contaminated surfaces or objects, but the risk is generally considered to be low. Interesting. Um, The CDC estimates that the chance of contracting the coronavirus through surface transmission is lower than one in 10,000. The coronavirus is spread almost exclusively by uh, airborne and aerosolized particles, as scientists have actually known for months. Um, Despite the growing certitude about how the pathogen is transmitted, many establishments have continued to insist on strict sanitization uh, protocols. In some school districts, for example, classrooms close for full-day deep cleaning on Wednesdays. So teachers only work two days a week, and then they get a break, and then they work for two days a week, and then they get another break. The persistence of such practices has led to the advent of a derisive term called hygiene theater to describe rituals that appear to do very little to stop the virus from spreading. It's not clear if the CDC's new guidance will lower the curtain on those theatrics, given how entrenched some of those practices have become and how important it is to getting, you know, a day off of school right in the middle of uh, the week. Let's not underestimate the importance of that. Um, University of Colorado atmospheric chemist Jose Luis Jimenez told the scientific publication Nature for an article published last month, quote, if we took half the effort that's being given to disinfection and put it on ventilation, that would be huge. (laughs) Again, with the ventilation. How are we still not focusing on this stuff? It's amazing to me. Um, There was also some criticism that uh, these uh, governors have had that Biden and Harris are not participating in the calls to the governors. When they all get on the phone, 
Biden and Harris, the vice president, they're, they're not on the calls. And the governors are kind of like grousing about it. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, down in South Carolina, you've got Governor uh, Henry McMaster. The, the president and the CDC are saying, if you are fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and you're outdoors, and you're not in a big crowd, then you don't have to wear a mask. Otherwise, you still have to wear a mask. That is absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. And I'm, what I'm saying is, I don't know where this, how these decisions are being made uh -huh. or why they are saying that, but I think it is totally unreasonable. I think the, the Biden administration is way off base and... I think the people in South Carolina, well as around the country, know better. Yeah, see, this is the problem, right? You're the messaging. And far be it for me to suggest that health experts might not be uh, the most profound thinkers when it comes to marketing stuff. But this is why you want different people at the table. And this is why uh, Republicans have been running this you know, fix for the Emergency Management Act to try to get uh, the governor forced the governor, not just this governor, but any governor to actually get input from other people that are elected statewide, the Council of State, because this governor has been relying on, quote, the health experts. And we don't know who those people are. They he didn't name them. The only name we ever get is Mandy Cohen, his secretary of health and human services. And she talks about guidance from health experts, but she doesn't name them either. And so we're left with this, okay, edict that comes down from these nameless, faceless people that are, quote, experts at stuff, and they say things that are stupid. They say things that are, okay, from, a, like, you're going to get a vaccine? Good job. I got a vaccine? Yes, yay me. Now you're going to tell me, okay, Pete, you got the vaccine, and when you get the second shot, you're going to be like, you know, 95% effective or whatever at stopping the uh, the virus, um, but uh, you still got to mask up when you're around other people outside. The hell you say? What's the point of the vaccine if it doesn't change the behaviors, the mitigation behaviors that we've all been doing for the last year, or a lot of us have been doing, right? Why get the vaccine then? Well, you know, Pete, because if you do get sick, then it could minimize that that illness. Is that the only reason? Then that's not really a vaccine, is it? Th that sounds more like a treatment. And if that's the case, then why don't we just kind of give up on the vaccines, give up on all of the, the theater, the masking and the wiping down everything and the distancing. We give up on all of that. And then we just try to, you know, treat people when they get sick. And we put all of our focus there. Because we cannot keep living like this. And oh, let me be clear. All right. We will not keep living like this. I will not keep living like this. A lot of people in America refuse to live under this kind of regime in perpetuity. And I'm not sure that the health experts understand this. Because here's the thing. Health experts are just one group of experts that the leadership should be consulting. The, the health experts... They're not experts in anything else except their field. And so if you're going to rely on them to convince people to get vaccines, we're screwed because they're saying you can never be too safe. Like that's their position on like everything. There was a Babylon Bee uh, parody website, you know, the Babylon Bee. They put out a, uh, 
a headline, a fake story. This all fake news, heads up fake news, but they put out this parody headline uh, story. Uh, it said, uh, CDC officials uh, recommend wearing your seatbelt once you get out of the car. Like, right, precisely. Yeah, like, okay, here, you really want to be completely safe when driving? Or safer than you are. It's not even about the seatbelts. No, you need to you need to be wearing a helmet and the Hans device to keep you from you know getting concussions and stuff. You know, everybody needs to wear helmets in the vehicles now. That's a rule. You got to wear a helmet when driving a car. No, like, but that's what the health experts would say. That's the way to ensure that fewer people die. But you have elected leadership that balances that recommendation from the quote health experts based on the science and data and facts, oh my, and science and data. And so they take that recommendation, they balance it against, well, are people going to actually do this? And then there are the costs of enforcement. What happens when, you know, cops see someone driving down the road and they're not wearing a helmet and I need to pull them over. Now you've got another interaction between the citizenry and law enforcement that could go sideways very quickly. Like you've got a lot, and then you got court costs involved in this stuff. So there's a lot of other things to weigh besides just the advice from the health experts who see virtually any risk as too great. That's the thing I've learned in this. Like these a lot of people who work in the health industry, these experts, they apparently are petrified of virtually everything. Okay, uh, the governor of South Carolina, Henry McMaster, then makes uh, what I think is a pretty common sense point that the vaccine was always meant to be a means to an end, he says, and we are nearing that end. But it's time to start getting back uh, to normal. I'd ask the the, the cities and counties, if they have restrictions out there that are undues, to to wrap it up. People are pent up. They they want to do things, and and except in some circumstances, there's no reason to hold them back anymore. Yeah. As for masking kids in schools or summer camps or really anywhere... Those parents are exactly right. If they do not want their children being forced by the government to wear a mask in school, they should not be forced by the government to wear a mask in school against the wishes of the parents. I think, again, it is a height of ridiculousity for a school (laughs) district to make that decision for the parents, particularly since we've known even when the virus was rampant that the schools, the classrooms were the safest places of all. So now that the teachers have all had an opportunity and the staff to get vaccinated, now that we have so many people that have developed immunity, I think it is, a, it, is, it is ridiculous for a school district to be requiring children to wear the masks unless the parents of those children want them to wear a mask. It's the parents' choice. It is no longer the school district's choice. Do you sense a bit of a difference in the tone and delivery and confidence and rationality? persuasiveness between the governors of North versus South Carolina. <laughs> is that obvious to, <laughs> to everybody? Or is it just me? Like, <laughs> he seems, he seems to make a lot of sense, doesn't he? Governor McMaster. Um, and uh, back to North Carolina. Now, where does the two thirds goal come from? This two thirds goal that we have to hit uh, adults, two thirds vaccinated with at least one shot. Uh, where does that number come from? before Cooper will lift the mask mandate 
indoors. And what we believe is at that level that we'll have enough protection in our community to hold this virus at bay to allow us to live with it. We know that that is not a herd immunity level that folks may have heard about, but we believe that that is enough protection in our community that we can live with this virus, that we believe that we can lift things like the indoor mask mandate um, and um, put this uh, pandemic in our rearview mirror. So no answer there. Somebody asked, a reporter asked, where does this number come from, this two-thirds number come from? Where does that goal come from? And she says, well, it was conjured in consultation with our public health experts. Again, the nameless, faceless people that apparently dictate how we are supposed to live our lives. We don't get to know who they are, right? She said more, uh, most people, like 90% of people who get the first shot go on to get the second shot. And that makes sense, right? Nine out of 10, if you're going to take the step to get the first shot, most follow through with the second shot. You have a priority to get it done. I intend to do so as well. Okay, so most people who get the first get the second. But she does, she does not offer any kind of specific data to support this projection of how we get to the two thirds and um, why two-thirds was picked, because she clearly, in that statement you just heard, she clearly acknowledges that this is not going to get us to herd immunity. Two-thirds of adults vaccinated does not equal herd immunity, she says. Now, I don't know if that's true, by the way. I have seen different numbers that were much lower than that. I've seen numbers that are much higher than that. There also is no inclusion of people who already got COVID, and you would think are now uh, immune because they've got natural immunity. We've got friends. They had COVID both, uh, you know, he and she, husband and wife, they both had COVID and then they got vaccinated too. So they are like super, super safe. Do they need to keep wearing masks? Right. Governor Cooper says yes. Mandy Cohen says yes. Indoors, you got to keep wearing the masks. Now, as for youth sports. For those doing youth sports outside, they will no longer need to be wearing a mask when they are actively doing their um, doing their sports. I do want to remind folks that, that folks under 16 um, are not able to get vaccinated, so they are an unvaccinated population. For all of our unvaccinated population, whether it's children or adults, we continue to recommend that folks wear masks outdoors when they can't be distant from other people. Um, so the unvaccinated population, we continue to recommend wearing masks. However, today's changes in the executive order do allow for youth sports when folks are playing youth sports outside that they do not need to be um, wearing masks. Unless they're playing NCAA basketball, then you're allowed to play basketball inside without wearing the masks. Uh, And by the way, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association and the North Carolina Independent Schools Athletic Association, the two largest governing bodies of uh, state high school athletics, will follow these guidelines. All right, that's a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I always appreciate it. Remember, go to thepetecalendarshow.com, subscribe, maybe become a patron of the program. I appreciate that. Thanks for all the support. Uh, We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. 